Welcome, everybody. It's Charlie Epstein here at Killing Retirement, and this is the show that breaks the old thought process, the old paradigms, just everything you think about retirement and replaces it with something new, a shift in how you're approaching your life. You know, all too often, and I've been doing this for 35 years, working with people, with their finances, with their future, and when people talk about retirement with me in America, it's like this destination point, and then something kind of ends for them. And I wanna put an end to that. See, for me, this notion of retirement, well, first of all, Webster's defines retirement as to put out of use. And I do not know anybody who's working their fanny off to someday be put out of use. So here at the 401k coach at Killing Retirement, we have coined a phrase we call desirement planning. And we like to work with our clients about figuring out what they really desire to do, what they're really passionate about, what really turns them on, and then help them craft their life, craft their finances in a way to support them to doing that now and not someday, one day. And I'm just super excited that today our guest here on Killing Retirement is an old dear friend of mine, Court McCulley of McCulley Financial Group. And Court and I met, I'm gonna say, Court, you're there, right? I think it was eight to 10 years ago. I think our paths crossed. You actually uh, participated in our 401k coach program way back then. And I, We've stayed in touch, and I'm just so tickled by what you're doing because so many people in our industry are doing the status quo, managing people's money, helping them with their investments, with their insurance. And I've watched you, Court, now evolve into a really skillful, passionate, inquiring individual who, you know, you talk about desirement mortgage you've got something called the desirement number. And when I saw that and have been getting your emails, I just thought it was really, really great. So welcome to Killing Retirement. I'm so excited that you're here and uh, taking the opportunity to just share with us. So let's let's kind of just start at the beginning. How did you get started in this whole financial world? What, you know, what I've been discovering in interviewing people, Court, is like there's something or someone in everybody's past that was instrumental in firing those sparks in your mind, your brain, and your gut that got you here. So take us back to how yeah. you got where you are. Well, Charlie, first, it's an honor and a, and a privilege to be on here with you, and thank you so much. And uh, I think uh, the listeners, everybody will enjoy the kind of the story and how much of a part you played in all of this and continue. And it's fun for us to now come back and circle back to where we started and to, uh, to have a large influence in helping people really understand why. Uh, killing retirement is an important thing, and uh, you know why it's lot, you know kind of losing its face. But I, I got pulled into retire into the retirement business by luck. I used to be a golf pro. I worked in the business for roughly two years straight out of college. Finished up my MBA and was like looking for something a little bit more. You know, I couldn't play golf the rest of my life. wasn't going to be Tiger Woods, so I needed to change focus. And somebody pulled me back into Chicago and been here now ten years, but worked for a group for two or three years helping them and then found this thing called the 401k and right at about that time is when I got introduced to the IF and then got introduced to FI360 and then sure enough to 401k coach and you know in our meetings there I started to understand that okay we've got this macro crisis that's going on in the country and there's some people who are really really good at it and Somewhere in between are all the people who they're serving, and you pointed out something that I'll never forget, and it was that piece. It was 95-5, 95% failure rate and a 5% uh, 
success rate. And I thought, man, that's just absurd. We've got an entire industry supported by a 95% failure rate across the population. And so I just got really passionate about the industry that we're serving, but more so the fact that the that we're working in an industry that has this persona, this, this fixation on the fact that, hey, everybody's going to get to a destination, they're going to have this, you know, sum of money, and then they're going to stop doing whatever they were doing and then go on. But there's a, some, a disconnection that people don't have enough money in order to accomplish that, or 95% don't. So I've spent a lot of time backing up and going into what I call dreams. So you're really focused on uh, desirement. Well, we're reading a book called Unique Ability by one of our good friends, Dan Sullivan. Mm -hmm. I took a dive in and found out that my unique ability is to help people identify their dreams and then connect them with all the resources and people it takes in order to make those things possible. So that's where the birth of Dream Number came and then the entire focus of what my future and what I want to serve is, is people in their focus of making sure that their dreams are being accomplished and not necessarily arriving at retirement and being put out of use, but making sure that they're getting the dreams in place that they want for the future today and not waiting for that moment to get there and then having more confidence in the fact that while they're in those dreams, they're going to start doing all the things they love the rest of their life. And you know, One of those might be playing golf. Yeah, and as I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm actually on your site right now, and I want people to really understand what's really cool about what you're doing is, and we talk about this in my first book, Paychecks for Life, Acting Like an Entrepreneur, is something entrepreneurs do, which is they think incrementally. They're, they're passionate about incremental success. Every day they come to work and they do a little bit more on their business to make it better. And I think you find this to be true, but what individuals do when it comes to their future and their dreams is they either think, oh, it's too big and I'll never get that, or I can't afford to do that, or you know, that they, they think too big and they don't think small enough. And what I really love about dream number and when I was going through it is that it, it's not about that big someday one day dream. Like you actually have people you're helping, well, you know, dream about how, you know, the wedding you want to have or the vacation you want to have or the home you want to have, or, you know, you've broken it down so it's manageable for people to actually get excited and passionate about those things that they really, really want to do and then help them finance that. Do I have that right? That is exactly right. And, and I, you know, I start meetings off maybe in a similar way to you do, but I look at them just taking inventory, right? Taking inventory on the dreams that they have in motion today. And that might be, or it might be one or two, but then I'll get them to discover and, and, and document and share with me what are the ones that they're wanting to accomplish in the future. And let's get those out there. And I push people to do a hundred. And I know that's crazy to get those all written down, but um, we did a study and we found, you know, the top 120 dreams, which is actually a pretty funny list and would love to share that with you and anyone else. But, uh, you know, number seven on the list is to get a tattoo, by the way. So I just want to put it out there. There's some crazy ones on that list. So, so this um, is the top but, 120 know, dreams that people have. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a study out there, a couple of them. We pulled them together and then uh, basically summarized it and put it in a, a, a finalized list of 100. Um, hmm. 20 of the top dreams people have. Put them into categories as well. Um, referencing a book, Dream Manager, which I'm sure you're familiar with by Matthew Kelly, another great book, and uh, bringing that together as well. So. Hmm. Very nice. Very nice. So how has this played out? Because, you know, on your site, you actually have real stories of people's experiences. Uh, 
and and you know what's the what's the transition between the way you used to do financial planning and how you're doing it now and connecting people to what they're passionate about in their dreams so I found I found a few you know and I'm sure across all the participants and people that you're serving you found this as well but here's here's something that really shook me and what's changed is that I have a um, and one of the companies that I serve who saves like north of 25% of her paycheck has never made over $60,000 as a widow and has well over a million dollars saved and definitely going to solve the, if you will, retirement calculation or retirement calculation or dream calculation, right? Going to solve that. And I asked her one day in one of our meetings, I said, so tell me, when you decide to stop working here, what are you going to do? And she looked at me and she shook her head, I, I have no I have no idea. Uh, I guess I'm gonna keep working. I, I don't I don't I don't have any dreams. I don't have any focus. And so we left that meeting and I came back to meet with her again and I said, gosh, you thought any more about the things you said? And she said, Yeah, I just I can't wrap my head around it. And sure enough we came back and it was our third meeting, probably over the course of maybe two, three quarters. And she said, you know what, Court, I got to really think and it hit me the other day. I want to go to Italy. I want to take these cooking classes. I've got this structure of, uh, you know, this, this vision of wanting to go meet all these great um, culinary experts and, and be able to be a part of that. And she started going into all of her dreams. And I was like, at this moment, at that moment, I knew everything changed for me and that helping people identify their dreams and then being able to connect the dollars to those dreams is my entire focus in and really the purpose for the rest of my life is to make sure that people are connecting those two. So I spend more time in making sure people have identified them and then helping the dollars connect to whatever those dreams are. And it was the one of the coolest moments I've had in my career. And it, it, and it definitely shows in the focus and, and on your website uh, how you really make this available and make it so easy for people to calculate their dream number and and help them really fine tune that so much. And I, I want to ask you this part because I I find this to be true with people who are struggling with this whole notion. And I've bumped up to something that I'll, I'll test this out on you. I call it people's myths about money. And what I found is that people have myths a, about their money. Um, I talk about it in our book, Paychecks for Life. I talk about my dad, for example. And he said something I'll never forget when I was growing up. He said, you know, all my life, my accountant told me that I'd be in a lower tax bracket when I retire and my house would be paid off. And those those were two myths, because when my father got to retirement, he was a very successful executive of a large clothing store and made a good income. And the year he retired, Bill Clinton came to the White House and raised the marginal tax rate. So he actually ended up in a higher tax rate when he retired. And then he moved to Florida to build the house of his dreams on the golf course of his dreams, which I think you'd find enchanting since you were a golf pro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his financial advisor said to him, you know, uh, he was 68. He said, uh, why don't you go uh, take out a mortgage? My father was like, wait, me take out a mortgage. I'm going to pay cash. And his financial advisor said, no, no, no. You know, go to the bank and see if you, you know, what mortgage rates are. And my father was like, well, how long am I looking for for a mortgage? And his financial advisor said 30 years. And my father said, what are you, crazy? I'm 68. I'll be dead before it's paid off. And I looked at my father because I was his financial advisor. And I said, Pop, you've known I've been crazy since the day I was born. Just do me a favor. Go to the bank. So he comes back and he says, I can get a 5% mortgage. 
I said, Dad, you're almost in a 50% tax bracket. The net cost to borrow the money is 2.5%. Put 100000 down, and if I can't make you net more than 2.5% on the other 400000 fire me as your financial advisor. Well, over those years that he lived from 68 to 81, we averaged about 7 8% of his money. And then when he passed away, my mother decided to move back home where I am, back north. And when we went to sell that house, instead of be, it was worth $100,000 less than when he bought it because the real estate market collapsed. So we would have lost $100,000, right, if he had paid cash. But here's the cool part. When my mom moved back court, she said to me, do I get to take out a mortgage? She was 79 years old. <laughs> and where she lives is an over 55 community, but everybody's in their 70s and 80s. And three years ago, we refinanced her mortgage to interest only for nine years at two and a quarter. Took her payment from $1,650 to $650 a month. She has an extra $1,000 a month to buy all the vodka she can drink every month. And boy, come I know. My mom's doing it. She's still, she's going to be 89. She's drinking and driving. And, and when all her friends hear that she has a mortgage, because all the other people in that community have paid their mortgages off, she's like, oh, my God. They're, all her friends are like, oh, my God, what kind of a financial advisor do you have? My mother smiles and goes, my son, would you like some vodka? <laughs> right? <laughs> and my point about this, and I'm asking you this because you sit and you talk with people, is do you find that people have these myths about their money that impedes their ability to achieve this dream that you're talking about? Tell, tell me about what you've discovered in that area. I couldn't uh, agree more with it, right? I think... And I don't know, and certainly you've been in this industry longer than I to see how long this has been going on, but essentially whatever their neighbor is doing or whatever their coworker is doing or whatever their peers are doing becomes what they should be doing. And there just have not been enough people serving people in ways to say, is that the best option? And, you know, obviously there's this push coming of fiduciary stuff, which quite honestly is a good thing, right? It's making people do the right thing, but it's... Uh, I think there's a big confusion of, well, I've always done it that way, so I'm just going to continue to do it. Um, why? You know, and, 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 and why pay cash? Why not have a mortgage? Right. Have these questions be And, you know, they said there's, you know, roughly 300,000 advisors in the U.S. today, and how many of them are having those conversations? How many of them are talking about their what they desire in the future? 10%. Ten percent, yeah, maybe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty thousand. Yeah, and you know what we're talking about here is mindset. You know, Dan Sullivan is just famous for that, right? You being and I being a member of Strategic Coach, and uh, and there's a book out called Mindset. But don't don't you find as you're working with people, and because what you're doing is you're reshaping their mindset. I mean, you're asking people to articulate their dreams. And, and and plan for them short term, long term, intermediate term, and and here's a here's a kind of a question is, have you noticed the change in people when they achieve one of those dreams, and how it affects their mindset in terms of the next step? Yeah, and I, I think this is in one of your books. It may have been in Paychecks for Life where you talk about kind of a greed-based return, right? And people always just want to talk about performance, 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 right? right. The whole conversation. And if you can 
take them and make them step back a little bit and say, really, aren't we trying to get over here to this stream in five years? And if, you know, if we look at recent market performance, which has been volatile and such, you know, even at the beginning of this year, people will lose focus on their dreams because of the market activity. And so, yes, when they step back and they are able to make it real and make progress on it and make it a reality, everything changes. And then you're at a different level uh, connecting with that person too. You know, I mean, I look at my job now is really just making people, you know, create a structure for them to create progress towards their dreams. That is it. You know, I, I, if they're not making progress towards it, then anybody can sit and invest in a mutual fund. They can, you know, create a diversified portfolio, but can you sit down, identify what their dreams are, connect the dollars, make progress? And as soon as they have that experience and they have that uh, uh, kind of track record to go, well, we've done it once, we can do it again, they, there you can see a change in their body, their confidence goes up, they don't look at the short results as much, I'm sure they still do, but not as much from a, from a uh, uh, you know, the retirement accounts perspective, all things become more structured and more uh, strength comes into your meetings and, and your connection with the person as well. Yeah, so but I'll give you the some some clients. I'll say this, Charlie. They don't want to connect on that level, and I've identified that they're maybe not a good fit, or maybe we need to come back at them at a point when it does make sense to them. But if somebody doesn't want to have that kind of conversation with me, it, it's just I, I can't connect with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not a right fit. It's not a right fit. You're send them to the broker down the street. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who yeah. man? Anybody? It's. I love what you just said about anybody can manage somebody's money, but managing somebody's mindset and and supporting them and really talking about what they're passionate about and what they desire most, what they what they dream about, and getting deep with somebody. I mean that is creating value. You're, you're, you're creating value. So I'm on your site and I'm at dream number. What is the dream number all about? And you say, we're here to provide you the path to your wildest dreams. Your dream should be more than an idea. It should be your reality. Let us help you get there. So take me through how you would help me get there with dream number. Yeah. So, uh, very, very good question. And um, number one, in my opinion, I started uh, when we first started on this process. I initially came at it from a numbers where I was taking inventory on people's finances and going that road, and then taking the finances and then creating dreams. But now we've shifted that. We've started with number one is creating a workbook that is um, uh, accessible online as well. You got to go to courtmcculley.com, and I've put together a free assessment. You click a button on there, and the home it'll you an opportunity to take the assessment, see where you're at, get your kind of your dream scores where you're at, and then with that, it'll give you an offer to you know get the book and workbook for seven bucks, super expensive offer, right. um, to then start walking through what is the inventory of the dreams you have, right? So what are these top 100, 120? And then in that workbook, I give away the top 120 dreams that I've identified. And so once people have those organized and put together. Then the thing is, is start to, you know, over the course of the next quarter, over the next year, over the next month, let's start identifying ones that we can make progress on together. And that might be, hey, you're planning a wedding. Hey, you know what, we're getting ready to renovate the house. Hey, we're looking at buying a second home. Whatever those are, 
let's identify which one you know which ones are key and start making progress towards them. And then at that point, that's where I'm pulling in the finances as part of making sure that those dreams are possible. Right? Hey, you know, somebody who's you know making thirty thousand dollars a year is probably not buying a second home Martha's Vineyard, right? I mean, some things have to kind of come together, but that structure is there. And then we're looking at it from a corporate standpoint. I'm trying trying to get this material available um, coming back in from like census data to start interpreting it um, on from a, from a company standpoint. So example might be you know to analyze all 100 of that group, saying where are they at on track, and then start to hopefully meet with them on a group basis and do this kind of planning. This is fantastic. And have you uh, gone back to like existing clients that you've worked with and, and, and shared this opportunity with them? That is exactly where we're at right now is integrating it with all existing, right? And um, it's an undertaking, right? To yeah. change mindset of, hey, we have a 401k plan and if they fog the mirror, great. Well, that's not what this is. This is we're not fogging beers anymore. We're we're going, you know. So I've had to clean up uh, some of the clients that I've had, i.e., say that some of them just aren't good anymore. But yeah. are receptive, are very receptive, and it's like yes, we we need more of this, and you just identify a better partnership, right? People who are a good fit, you know, they want that kind of advice in their life, and this is the kind of clients that I want to work with, and hopefully wake up. 30 plus years today and say, gosh, we've made a ton of things that are important. So, uh, yes, it, it, in progress is how I would count that. But, um, it's an undertaking, no doubt. Great change takes time. You know, I'm on your site. I'm looking at some of the success stories of uh, the people you've worked with. And Paul, who did Second City, it's like a kindred spirit of mine, as I think you know, from yes. 1988 yes. to 2001, I used to take three to five off a, months a year three to five months off a year to pursue my passion as an actor. I did stand up with Chicago City Limits. I mean, improv with Chicago City Limits. I did stand up at Stand Up New York with actually when John Stewart and Carolyn Ray were breaking their chops in in 1990. And, and the thing I discovered, and this is right in line with uh, the conversation we're having, is the change that pursuing your dreams has on you. They're all, you can't even imagine. They're all just... You just don't know. It's like a fallout. And the, what I discovered is the more time I took off to pursue that passion, the more money I made in my financial business. And that's counterintuitive. I know because we're in strategic coach and Dan Sullivan talks about free days, focus days, and buffer days. More free days create greater focus days where you're really better focused. But that's exactly what happened to me. And the more time I took off, the more money I made. I remember the first year in 1988. I did summer theater, took three months off in the summer, and at the end of that year, 1998, I made 50000 more than the year before, and I thought, well, that's interesting, and I enjoyed it. I got to do that again. Did it again, did it again, and every year that happened, and that focus, because what it does is it, it, you're, really, you're really helping people be laser-focused on that one thing that they want in a, in a very concrete period of time and when they achieve that the power and the energy and the joy and the enthusiasm and the oh my god if I did that I what could I do next it's even bigger is that what you're finding yeah and here's here's one yeah 
that point. You know, Paul, who uses him as an example, much like you, who obviously great speaker, Paul scared to get in front of a group. So he said, you know what, I want to I want to solve, I want to be a great, I have this dream of being a great public speaker. So what I'm going to do is put myself in a vulnerable position and go to Second City. And I asked him, I said, gosh, Paul, go do this one, you know. Kind of crazy, isn't it? And he said, you know, that changed the, the course of my future. But I was no longer scared to get up in boardrooms. I would have more of an authority. I was only the guy who would just hold them myself. I was, I'd broken through that entire feeling of complexity. You know, one of the other things we covered is like, I didn't know how to act out in that way. Now he said, I, I only do that. And he's since, you know, changed careers. He's now leading a, uh, an academy, of, uh, security uh, Tech Academy for, and has just launched it here in Chicago called Evolve um, Security Academy. And his whole future, he says, goes back to that moment where he had this dream of breaking through this complexity he had of, man, I just don't feel comfortable speaking up to people. And yeah, as soon as he's gone there and done this thing that's off the course of really what he was doing, you know, he was always been in internet security and that's been his whole thing. Those guys aren't probably known for being great speakers, right? I mean, they're really good at making sure that all the technical data things occur on the back end. Well, he went and solved that problem, and it's been a major breakthrough for his career. And now I've seen him probably in the media seven to ten times. And I'm guessing that had he not gone and done that back in the day, he would have never had the structure, had the, you know, the confidence, capabilities, all that to just say, I'm going to put myself out there and, you know, go launch this business because, now it has a calling of saying, hey, you've got to be out in front of the media, buddy. You're going to need to hop up in front of people. And, you know, it's kind of funny when those things all come together and now he's got the structure of his life to say, this is possible. This is definitely possible. That, that is so fantastic. So so where do you see this going now for you? Where, where, what direction do you see dream number? I know, you, you know, you have a mind that never stops thinking and it's brilliant. So... We're, what, what's the next iteration do you see coming down the path for you in, in this whole process? Do I get to ask you questions, Charlie? What do, you, what do you think the retirement horizon looks like? Or do you think that these 95.5 numbers are potentially able to be changed? Yeah, I think they've already been changed. I think we're, we're impacting that. I think the number isn't 95.5 anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what, what that number is, but I think as far as, you mean, people saving for that retirement date... I think the problem is and why I've started this whole killing retirement concept is we are going to live longer. And this notion of you and I sitting with somebody and saying, okay, at 65, you're going to stop working isn't true anymore. And especially for the, let's say the number is 7515. And that 75%, you know, the conversations I'm having with those folks are, well, they haven't accumulated enough wealth to create that paycheck for life. But they all say to me, well, I'm not going to just stop doing something. I'm going to do something. And that's the thing that gets me that, well, what's that something? And, you know, if it's work for money to make up the difference, is it, are you doing it because you're passionate about it or are you doing it because you have to, right? I think that's the difference. And we got to get at it now. We got to create a mental construct for people. It's that they tap into what they're passionate about as they go through life. And they're not waiting for that someday, one day number. 
to decide, oh, well, now I better get my act together. Oops, I don't have enough money. Well, forget about that. Oops, I don't even know what I want to do. And that's where I think people are missing the boat, that that they have this mental construct of, well, I'll do this job or I'll find a better job and I'll find a better job. And then someday, one day, I'll find what I really love. Right. So that's the shift. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So I want to get your feedback on what you think of those numbers, because I think to frame out the future, I think we have, in my opinion, I have to look at it and say how focused on those numbers or those potential macro success and failure numbers are important. And if we are, in fact, killing retirement, then we would say that we really don't necessarily care about those numbers anymore in the future and that we care a lot more about how much progress people are making towards their dreams. Because there are people today that you and I both know who are solving the calculation, if you will, and they're getting to their retirement and have poor health, aren't living their dreams and aren't making progress towards things they want to do in the future or the, creating the things they've been thinking about all these years they've worked hard. So then you say, well, what is the point of accumulating all this money if you aren't going to enjoy at some point in your life? You've put everything on, on, hold, on hold to get to this point. So, you know, I became really passionate about getting to this point and creating this structure based off of success and failure and really saying, hey, people need to go and, um, you know, create a structure for, for accomplishing dreams. And I also think, gosh, it's a shame that we have such a bad failure to success range. But I also love the fact that you're doing you know, a push toward killing retirement and and people should get focused on their dreams. So I guess where we go from here is to wake up and know that we've made a massive impact in helping people make progress towards their dreams and really understand that this word retirement you put out of use is mythical. It is, right. it is something that has been supported by pensions that, as you and I know, are gone, and they are no longer here, um, and and that we've become more educated in the world that we're in today, and that is really structured around people identifying what they desire and what they dream to have and creating everything over in their world, their own personal autonomy to support what those things are, and that's where we're going, and as, as long as from a big macro mission standpoint, we have served that purpose, I feel really, really good about everything we're doing. I think it's fantastic. You know, you are just so on the cutting edge of what people want. And I think, I mean, they want this deep in their heart, but people are actually afraid to have this conversation. They're, they're actually afraid to think, what do you mean I could have my dreams? No, no, not, not, not right now. Not yet. Not yet. Right. It's like, like, you know, someday, not right now. You know, and <laughs> heaven forbid, I'm happy. I'd have to give up complaining. I'd have to give up the excuses, you know. Not now. <laughs> so I, I love that you're putting to people this notion that, yes, you can do this now or parts of it now and imagine what one little success would do for you. Yeah, and, it's, and these are broken to your point where we started this conversation is they're not large things sometimes, right? I mean, yeah. you know, couples of newborns are saying, we've got to get to, you know, a house a little bit more adequate for the family we have. How do we structure money to solve this dream 
of getting out of the house we're at and get into the others that we have. And it's no no too big, too small, but there has got to be a starting point. And, it, and just starting to make progress towards it gets people believing that, okay, it's okay to dream again. And I think that there's a lot of people who are, you know, standoffish or maybe think it's foolish to take a meeting focused on dreams or, oh, I can't, I can't have that kind of, oh, that's, that, well, that's my, my friends are going to think that's just unacceptable and I want to go do that. That's too big of a dream. You know, I, I, I mean, that's probably, you know, probably the biggest hurdle that we face in this conversation. But you know what? They're, those friends and those people who are the naysayers, they're not against it when it does come. They're like, oh, suddenly John Smith made that possible. Wow. Now I want, you know, it makes them believers. And I have lost, you know, the belief and focus of retirement. I think that's becoming pretty apparent. Yeah. That now the shift has to be on the desirement and dreams and make them believers in that and that potential of having that in their lives. You're, you're, it's right there. You're on the right track, my friend. You are on the right track, and I'm so inspired by it. So how do people get a hold of you and start their dream number and the dream number process? Yeah, so the really the best way to connect with me is actually at Court McCulley. That's K-O-R-T, and then McCulley, M-C-C-U-L-L-E-Y, 